Good morning. How are we doing? On this rainy day, it looks like God's in the house too. He knows I love thunderstorms. Actually, I really, really do. So um, that's just confirmation to me. He wants to rain down on us. How does that sound? I already have the squeaky voice. You know why? It's all Christian's fault because, Pastor Christian, because he, uh, the music he planned was so engaging that I'm over here like worshiping like crazy, right? Such a good day to worship. Let's all just take a breath. Yeah, let's just take a breath. And that's precious name of Jesus uh, that they were speaking. There's nothing like it. Thank you, Pastor uh, Nathan. I think he may have even just popped out the door. He's such an honoring man of God. And from the first time I met him on a trip to Brazil, uh, there was a friendship that was born there. That was far more than just a friendship. It was a, it's a spiritual connection of a brother and sister in Christ pursuing the things of the Lord. And so it's been nothing, but, nothing less than an absolute honor to come under actually his authority and his um, mentorship. He's an amazing pastor, and if you're on deck here at, at Thrive, you're in a really good place. And if you're just visiting today, I just want to invite you to come back and to just sit under his teaching and just, just rest, and it will, you will be infiltrated with his love and um, his instruction through the word. So this message um, is, a, is a, obviously a Mother's Day message, and we're here for Mother's Day. But Mother's Day can be filled with this amazing amount of mixed emotions. Um, the older I get, the wiser I get. I didn't believe that, of course, when I was young. But, you know, because the mo mothers would always say, you don't have the wisdom yet, right? But there's a wisdom that comes even in motherhood as we have um, persevered through many Mother's Days. And in that, I now understand that it's not just representative um, of a celebratory piece. There's also um, pain that can come through our doors as well as a church. And we want to honor wherever somebody's at in their motherhood experience. And so... Um, we just, as I say, we want to honor that. And so to do that, I would just want to acknowledge what's going on in the room. So here's a few things. We celebrate the newly pregnant ones, the ones that are literally carrying hope and excitement to meet their newborns. We acknowledge and honor those who are actually struggling, though, maybe to get pregnant and who have had miscarriages that are quiet, that have never told anyone. The Lord sees you and he sees your heart. We celebrate the moms of toddlers and little people all the way up to teens, preteens and teens, all the children, even the adult ones, who exhaust you with their never-ending need for all of your energy and attention, who test your mad skills. We've all got some mad skills. They definitely test your time management. They test your, um, your taxi driving skills, right? Being able to manage it all, right? They also test your culinary arts skills and your crafting skills, because you got to make something out of nothing just to keep them busy, right? All right. But they also test you when their hormones change, right? <laughs> the hormone explosion happens, and we have to literally minister and love them through times that their bodies are physically changing, and then all of a sudden, we hold no authority, right? I'll never forget uh, one of my dear children. It had come a time in his life where he was... He was pushing back on things a bit. And when it came to go to college, you know, we usually send your kids off. I was ready to send them off. He needed to go to college, right? But what happened was is he came back within his, after his very first semester of college, and he specifically called me to the countertop and said, I want to sit down and have a conversation with you, Mom. And he thanked me. He actually stopped and thanked me for all the hard work that we had poured into him as a, as a kid. And he was, he was just thankful for my momming him. He didn't realize actually how lucky he'd been. 
Here's the other thing we celebrate, though. Every motherly commitment in the room that's otherwise not carried through your DNA or your bloodline. We acknowledge and we thank every spiritual mom in this room. Every spiritual mom. The ones that have poured into people outside of their nuclear family. They've poured in time. They've poured in energy. You've poured in love and guidance into these that were not necessarily yours. But you can be, you are their spiritual moms. So thank you. We also acknowledge those in the room who have but only a memory to hold on to. They may have lost a child to an accident or an illness, who are separated from their children or their child due to distance. I'm one of those. I've got three in three different states, by military, or it could even be incarceration. For those who are not otherwise relationally where they'd like to be with their children, the Lord sees you. He sees you, and he sees your heart today. And for every person in this room who has actually lost their mom, I'm one of those moms that lost her mom when she was, I was 24 when I lost my mom. I'm wearing her today. I, I pulled her out of the jewelry box, and I put on her beautiful dinner ring to just be representative of her so that I could wear it today just and honor her. But some of us also, we may have a mom that we are not in good relationship with. And we just want to tell you that there's something in this message for you. And we honor your heart right where it's at. The Lord sees you. So let's dive in. Okay? As we continue with our um, series, Passover to Pursuit to Pentecost, this is an amazing series that Pastor Nathan has put forth with us. We track with these disciples who literally powerfully experienced the, the crucifixion. They walked with Jesus, but they experienced his his crucifixion and his death, and then his resurrection, they celebrated with him. And in that, we are now in this space of pursuit, this 40 days before, while he walked the earth. Jesus had to actually come back and recalibrate things. The expectations that were meant to establish his kingdom, he had to recalibrate them. You see, the followers of Jesus thought that uh, Jesus was going to come in as the Christ, and he was going to come in in a military form and actually overtake the Roman authorities. That's what the Jewish faith believed. It was, it was their mindset. But they couldn't see the deeper layers of God's love and what he needed to do. But instead, Jesus, when he died on the cross and he was buried in that tomb, he actually went to the depths of death itself. He went to hell and he went down there and he got the keys to the kingdom back. Any of you ever lose your keys before? Yeah, I've lost my keys before. It's no fun. It is just a bummer. I remember that actually my last car, somebody handed me the key they'd forgot to give to me when I first purchased the car, and within 20 minutes, I dropped it, and I knew I put it in a garbage can, and it had gone to the dumpster at my business. I knew it, and it was gone. But the keys that Jesus grabbed back, he knew he could get. They weren't lost. Never, nothing is ever lost in Jesus' sight. And so what he did on that cross is he actually went back to get the keys that Adam and Eve had actually given away. You see, the keys of authority were given to Adam and Eve in the garden. They chose not to fully trust what God had said and live in obedience to it. God had created a safe and holy place for them to exist and to flourish. The Garden of Eden was meant for them to flourish in. They walked in the presence of a holy God in that place. They were in complete communion with him. 
But then the serpent came, and the serpent did something. He put a seed of doubt in their mind. We often think that the sin of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden was actually when the fruit was plucked from the tree and the bite was taken. I'm going to challenge you that that's not the actual sin that took place. The first sin was the doubting of God and not following his ways. This portion of it was the manifest physical portion of the sin that started. It was doubting God. So they engaged in the lie. They empowered the liar, who was the serpent. The physical act took place, and then guess what? Instead of repenting before a holy God, they chose to blame. They blamed one another, and they blamed the serpent. And then they had lost the keys. How different would it be if Adam and Eve would have fully believed choosing to actually apply their faith to what they didn't understand, even when they didn't understand it, just out of obedience, just applying faith, instead of trying to take control of the situation and doing things out of God's eternal order. There's a pursuit of character going on in that. It's called Character Development 101. It's taking what we know. We can know it. We can know it up here, but we've got to apply it. Pastor Nathan unpacked this message of application for faith, and you can believe when he says, do you believe or do you believe? Are you going to believe what the word says or are you going to believe what the word says? When he was up here plucking away at those daisies last week, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. What will we choose? I choose to believe, and I hope you do too. Jesus' ministry on the face of the earth was but three short years. The disciples were literally in an intensive school of ministry as they followed the rabbi around. Serving, learning, and observing his ways. You see, when rabbis were assigned students, the students actually came in and not only did they sit at their feet and learn academically, but they attached their lives to the rabbi and they followed them everywhere. That's what the disciples did with Jesus. They followed him and they learned his ways. I want to challenge you as you read the word of God, as you pick up your Bible, remember, you're not just reading literally what it says. You're also looking between the lines and you're seeing the ways of Jesus in there. It might not, it doesn't preempt you to say, I loved, Jesus loved through this situation. Instead, you can see how he wrapped love around a situation. And that's what the di disciples sat and learned, as well as academically. Not only did Jesus walk in ministry, but he fulfilled the scriptures. He's actually the, the Jewish answer to prayer. He's the Jewish answer. He's the fulfillment of the scriptures. And he did so with his sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection back to life. No other God, no other God on, that is claimed in this earth has ever died for their followers and been raised to life again. No other God. But this was not enough. Even upon his return, Thomas says, show me the hands. Doubting Thomas. You can read about him. He still couldn't, he couldn't grasp it all. 
So in that space, I'm telling you, Jesus had to come back for 40 days, and he had to do a little, little tutoring. He had to do a little tutelage, okay? He needed to teach them that they had to apply everything that they had learned. And in doing so, you say, how does this apply to Mother's Day? I'm going to show you. They had to learn a few things. They had to learn to trust. They had to learn to partner. They had to learn to apply. And they had to learn to pray. So this is the disciples, right? So trust. This is what they needed to do. Those disciples had to. They had to learn to fully trust what Jesus had taught them. They had to fully trust it. They couldn't veer from it because just like Satan, just like the serpent, he wants to put that little doubt in your head so that you make a different decision than what Jesus would say. So they had to trust. Secondly, they had to partner. We have to make wise, wise decision right here. This is a, this is a, this is a cornerstone. I have to choose to literally partner. I had to choose to partner with him for his purposes and not mine. This is a game changer. When we see actually the plan of God on something, we're called to step into his plan and not our plan. And we have to do this. Apply is our last one. Well, not our last one, second to the last, apply. They had to actively then apply what they knew. You know, I can learn a skill. I can learn a culinary skill. I can, I'm a, a also love sports. I can learn things, but if I don't apply them, it, it's not going to work. It won't work. I had to learn how to do some, um, I was climbing. The kids taught me, my kids taught me how to climb. I think they try to kill us when they take us on vacation. I'm just being honest with you. You probably, if you've heard me preach before, I told a story about bouncing off a mountain, and that was two years ago. I'm telling you, though, it was the skills I learned on the prep side that when I got caught on the mountainside and my, my lag rope wouldn't work anymore, I knew in my head that I was safe, that my rope was attached, but I was stuck, and the only thing I could do was push off about nine to ten stories up on a mountainside. If I didn't apply what I had learned, and like literally choose to apply it, I would have been stuck up there and someone would have had to come to save me. But instead, I knew everything that I needed to know and I trusted, pushed off. Yes, I bounced across the mountain and I ended up just fine and they lowered me down, right? Application, application, application. The last one is pray. Pray to continuously we're praying continuously, and we want to abide in him. Paul talks to us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, and he gives us this prompting. He says, rejoice always. Not rejoice sometimes. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. That means the good, that means the bad, and that means the ugly, Right? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's something in the rejoicing peace that there's a partnership that we come into agreement with. If I come into agreement with the enemy on how terrible a situation is, then I've just empowered the enemy to make it all that worse. But instead, I choose what Jesus tells me to do and what Paul talks about, rejoice always. Jesus talks about him himself when he talks about remaining. And when we say pray, we want to remain with him. We want to, to be with him. And he's telling his disciples this. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
It must remain in the vine. This is called abiding. This is that place where we pray and we abide. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you realize that the fruit from a branch only comes after the long growth period? It comes through storms like this. That's when the, that's when the fruit comes. It comes after the planting, after the watering, after the fertilizing, after the bending of the storms, after the seasons. Fruit isn't born every season, right? Lord takes us through seasons, and he says, you will bear fruit if you stay attached to me, and this is abiding. So motherhood, it requires the same. It requires trust. It requires you to partner with Jesus and his plans. It, it, it makes you apply things, and it says, hey, pray. Let's stay connected. Abide in me while we do this. Just like the disciples, mothers are on a learning curve from the moment they get pregnant. Your body starts changing, right? It gets crazy. The disciples had three years of training and preparation. While mothers only have about nine months of basic training, then they are put into full-time, lifetime intensive training, for real. I'm still on the learning curve, right? And here it is. Mothers, motherhood is one of the most intense, lifelong training grounds of character development, faith testing, humility, servanthood, and sacrifice. Does it sound familiar? That's what disciples do. Christianity is one of the most intense, lifelong training grounds of character development, faith testing, humility, servanthood, and sacrifice. They're intertwined. Let's talk about trust. Just as in the Garden of Eden, we are given a choice. Will you trust? Will we trust what the Word of God says? Who is, who is this person of Jesus that we keep talking about? And will we step out in faith, especially when doubt comes our way? As a mother of three, now 26-year-old, and now 28-year-old, and as of tomorrow, I have a 30-year-old. That's right. 30 years ago today, I was big and pregnant and just about ready to go into labor. And let me tell you, um, Raising kids is great. And in that area of raising kids, I was pretty stuck on the whole Disney and Pixar. How many of you lived through lots of Disney and Pixar? Yeah, come on. Get some hands in the place, all right? Well, I have to laugh as I was preparing this message. I'm typing away on my back patio, and I get to this point in my message, and I go, oh, gosh, I need an illustration. The Lord drops this picture into my mind. I said, and there it is. Yes, Aladdin. I know this might sound odd. Yes, he is the Prince Ali Ababwa. Don't you just want to say that? Ali Ababwa. All right? But his outstretched hand and his question is the same as our Prince of Peace, Jesus, who asks the very same question, do you trust me? I love that he was inviting his, his girl, right, on a magic carpet ride something that was completely out of her realm, something that she couldn't imagine that would be completely different and empowering. He says, do you trust me? Jesus says the same thing, especially to us as mothers. Do you trust me? 
The disciples needed to truly trust in the one they had walked with because Jesus wanted more for his followers than what they could see. It wasn't just about that military takeover. The disciples operated in faith when Jesus' presence was tangible too. And because he literally was a human, he was like God incarnate, right? He was a man walking on the face of the earth. He had actually chose to somewhat limit himself. Now, it sounds odd that I would tell you that God is limited, but he chose in that space to come as a human form. So when he was present in the room, when he was present here, he was healing, but the, the presence and the healing wasn't happening down the street. He had to walk down the street. It was around him. It was his presence. But instead, he needed to go so that he knew that he needed to empower the entire world to live in his presence. Does that make sense? The disciples didn't quite get that, but, but Jesus was very clear about it. In John 16, 7, he says this, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. He says, unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. In the same way, Jesus asks mothers to trust him with his plans and purposes. Those same plans and purposes. He's trying to tell the, the disciples, trust me, trust me, I need, I'm gonna, I need to go away so that I can send you the one who can be with you everywhere, who can be inside of you, who can literally dwell in you. He says, do you trust me? He goes, trust me, I'm trying to do this thing with you. Mothers, it's the same way. Do you trust him with his plans and purposes? Do you trust him with his timing? How about his assignments for you? You know that child that you have or your children? They're actually gifts from God. Or as my, my children would say, my daughters would say, they're tiny humans. They're just these tiny little humans. And this trusting him with motherhood, that means you'll be, are you able to submit? Will you submit in the process of actually being molded and shaped in the per, into the person, the mom that you need to be as you raise these children? Because guess what? Your seasons are going to change. You might think you got the infant thing down, and then they become the toddler. And then you get the toddler thing down, and then they're the elementary kid. And then you can think you got that done, and then they're the preteen that you don't understand. Do you see what I'm saying? We're always on this learning curve. Are you going to trust him to go ahead and mold and shape you into who you need to be? I'm going to tell you, as a mother of three, my first one, I'm not sure how we had three because the first one was so difficult. It was mind-blowing how difficult this child was. And there was a time I remember being in my kitchen. I was so frustrated with her. And I just, I just yelled out to Lord. I'm like, Lord, what is the deal? And he goes, she's just like you. <laughs> I went, ah, uh, uh, okay. And what he tried to tell me was, Literally, he said, all the things you don't like about her is what you don't like about yourself. What are you going to do about it? Monkey see, monkey do. What I was looking at is a child that was just reflecting her parent. The Lord said, you start working on you, I'll work on her, and things will be just fine. Are you submitted? Are you submitted? Are we submitted to being that kind of parent and saying, Yes. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, and I love it because this is one of the most applicable verses in the Bible for so many reasons. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Not to harm you. Do you get that? Not to harm you. He's setting you up for success, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. 
Jesus does not give us assignments to watch us fail. Moms and dads, everyone in this room, every assignment Jesus ever gives us, he stretches us purposefully to grow us into the person that he knows that we really are in Christ Jesus. John 10.10 tells us this. I love a red-letter Bible. How many of you have a red-letter Bible? You got one? If you don't have a red-letter Bible, just go to the bookstore someday and pick one up because it's absolutely refreshing. I remember them as a child. And it's, it's, it's amazing when you pick that Bible up and all of a sudden the words of Jesus jump out at the page at you. We've gotten so used to just our regu regular Bibles with no color in them. I just, I, I just ask you, go do it, and you'll be surprised at how it jumps off. I asked Yvette to literally put this in red letters because we've got to clearly understand this is Jesus saying this. This is not Stephanie Ferris. Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus says, so this is Jesus, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Will you trust his red letter words? Because when trust is chosen, partnership is born. You see that? When trust is chosen, partnership is born. You see, he agrees. You hear it? He's agreeing with me, right? We're in partnership. We're in partnership. So this trust and this partner thing, what does it look like to partner? Well, I could give you a big to-do list. I could do the whole legalistic, you need to read your Bible, you need to do this, yeah, da, 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 da. Uh, be all those things. I could give you the checklist, but here's, here's the basic thing. This is what you need to do. Will you partner in his plan? This is it. This is the partnership piece. It's not about your plan, it's about his plan. And that's what this is, it's not yours. Things to keep in mind, every child, Every child, there is no mistake, is a gift from God given to someone, and hear me, they're given to you to steward. That gift of a child is meant for you to steward. Stewardship is entwined with motherhood. Each child is not a mere addition to the family, but a heavenly addition to the face of the earth meant to be raised up as a man or a woman of God, every last one of them. And it doesn't stop there. That man or woman of God that's being raised up in your household is meant to join forces with all the believers in the world to do their part in partnering with Jesus and his plan to redeem a world back to him. You are a part, you're, this is a military takeover. And mothers, you are sitting as, as the general in charge of your family and in charge of your children. The Great Commission says this, and this was the call for the disciples. Out of Matthew 28, we see it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of Son and the Holy Spirit. I, I laugh. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I laugh because I could sing you that song because I sang it so many times in children's ministry. So if you need a musical version of it, just catch me on the backside and I will sing it to you. All right? But as a mom, I also know that that great commission applies to me. Because what am I supposed to do? Disciple my children and teach them to obey all I've commanded. 
That's part of our job title. Proverbs 22.6 Proverbs tells us this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mothers, thank you. Thank you for all your years of labor and training that you've poured into your child to bring them up into the ways of the Lord. And I'm telling you, if you feel like you're a mom that hasn't been doing that, I'm going to tell you, God has the most amazing redemptive plan. As soon as you just say, Lord, I didn't do it right. Can, can, can I start doing it now? I'm going to tell you, there's going to be such a grace for that over your life. Such grace. There is no shame and guilt in this message. There is only hope because we're redeeming a world back to him. He wants you in relationship with his children, and he wants every one of your children to come to him as Lord and Savior. Thank you for allowing him to, as mothers, to mold and shape you for all those years. Now let's apply. There's trust, there's partner, there's apply. While doing some before bed reading, I grabbed my um, passion translation. This was a this was a gift to me. That often happens on Mother's Day. Mothers, how many of you actually buy your own gifts? That happens here. So, yeah, it's my, one of my Mother's Day gifts, all right? So, but while reading this, I, I've been diving in the last couple of weeks, and just uh, the Hebrews, Hebrews 11 chapter is the faith chapter of all time, right? So if you need some faith inspiration, if you need like literally an injection of faith, grab your Bibles, sit down with the Lord with a good cup of coffee, and read through Hebrews 11. So women, we need inspiration. We need it. And we need faith for long days of motherhood that we've endured. In fact, before I get started, why don't I just show you what enduring looks like in the face of a child. See that? I've got a few of these for you. Looky here. I won't let him eat the cat's food. Yep. And we've got trauma. Oh, wait a minute. He wanted the yellow cup, so I gave him the yellow cup. Now his life is ruined. Right? Um, oh, here's one. I wouldn't buy her women's razors. Yeah, and there we are at the supermarket. Oh, I handed her the wrong pink marker, right? It's the wrong one. Yep, there it is. Oh, and here's the face of someone whose mom who wouldn't let him hold his own poop in his hands. Mm -hmm. This one I love because we're kind of an outdoors family. He wouldn't let him swim in the sea because he can't swim and it's six degrees outside, right? The Golden Gate Bridge isn't actually golden. And there's trauma right there. Oh, and looky there. He wants to get on the bus, but the bus is on TV. I love it. And I think, oh, I got a couple more. Wouldn't let her eat the bath bomb. Yep. And there's our last one. I told her she couldn't go inside the dishwasher. You don't think moms need inspiration? This is what we do. And it's insane what we put up with. But you know what? It's through the love of Jesus that we get through days and moments like those, right? It really is. So here's where application is key. I'm going to tell you, the disciples were persecuted, but uh, I think mothers, uh, they just get pummeled day after day. And I know that doesn't, it, that doesn't might not feel good as a really good um, transfer of information, but it's really our sacrifice. This is where we get, we get the bullets put at us all the time. And we need inspiration. And I'm telling you, this Passion Translation um, is an excellent verse for us to grab a hold of. For there is not enough time to tell you of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Hold it right there. I'm going to stop. We're going to stop right here as moms. There's not a woman's name in here. 
do not be offended. God loved the women of the Old Testament. And our na- those names are, we are involved in this verse, so don't even go there. There is honor in this verse, and there are champions of the faith that are women that are out of the Old Testament, so keep that in mind. Next one. Through faith's power, they conquered kingdoms. Conquered kingdoms, you hear that? And established true justice. Their faith fastened onto their promises. Did you see that? Their faith fastened onto something, and onto the promises, and it pulled them into reality. Pulled something into reality. It was faith that shut the mouth of lions, that put out the power of the raging fire, and caused many to escape certain death by the sword. Although weak, you hear that? Yep, I'm weak. I am definitely weak at times. Definitely weak at times. Although weak, their faith imparted power to make them strong. Faith sparked courage within them, and they became mighty warriors in battle, pulling, look at this, I get so excited about this verse, pulling armies from another realm into battle array. You see that? Isn't there power in that? This tells me that the champions of faith fasten on to promises. It's this faith piece. They fasten hold of it, and they say, I see that promise. I'm going to grab a hold of it. And not only am I going to grab a hold of it, I'm going to pull it into my realm. I'm going to pull it into my life. I'm going to pull it in. The last verse, faith-filled women saw their dead children raised in resurrection power. How many of you, as a mom or a grandma, need a child pulled up in resurrection power, right? Out of addictions, out of depression, out of anxiety, out of identity confusion, out of uh, homosexuality, out of marital issues, whatever it is. Resurrection power, the power to pray, the faith to do it. Partnering with Jesus in this thing we call motherhood requires us to fasten and pull the very promises of God in. Not just for us, but for our kids until they teach them to do the same. You're stewarding a child. You're stewarding a life. You're stewarding a faith-filled one until they can go off on their own and do the very same. Jesus actually taught us to pray just this. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as in heaven, that means I'm taking heaven and I'm pulling it to earth. Disciples and mothers, they pull kingdom into their earthly circumstances. This is what they do. Moms and dads, you have permission to pull armies from another realm into battle array, into your circumstance. It's what the word says. But do you trust him? He's got a hand out there. He says, do you trust me? Do you trust him in this pursuit of motherhood that sometimes can feel very overwhelming? Do you trust him to empower you to do things beyond yourself? Do you trust him? Do you trust probably, do you trust to actually give him the very thing you probably love the most, which are your children? They're your everything. 
And do you trust the bigger plan? The one that's beyond you, the one that's beyond your nuclear family, the one that's meant to grow them up in the faith so that they can redeem, go out and redeem a world back in Jesus' name to him. Find comfort in this, though. Here it is. Jesus declares his partnership with you in doing all these things. And he declares his partnership through the Holy Spirit. Let's look at John 16, 12 through 15. He's telling the disciples, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear, more than you can imagine. But when he, the Spirit of truth, Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears me speak. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. So Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what what he will make known to you. Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father. Holy Spirit dwells in you. Jesus is the intermediary, AD. He's, he is hearing God, and he is transferring the information to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is talking to you. Are you listening? Are you listening? Do you trust him with that kind of guidance? Because I'm telling you what, as a mother, I can't do it without him. I can't do it without him. You know, I had one, the one that was the hard one that left for college, and I thought, how in the world am I going to stay attached to this kid? He's not under my roof anymore. I asked the Lord about it, and he said, he goes, he goes you start texting him. He goes, you, you text him at 9-11. Every time you see 9-11, you text him, and you tell him you love him. 9-11 was important to, to my son because his birthday is actually in March. 9-11, I know, is September, the September 11th we think of. He always would laugh and say, I think we should celebrate my half birthday, right? His love language would be gifts, right? So I chose 9-11 because it would be significant because he would understand what that meant. I didn't choose it. The Lord did. And I started texting that kid, and, and I didn't get responses for months. But it wasn't long after he realized how much his mama loved him and wanted to continue to pour into his life, I started getting responses. And really, it's not that I needed a response. I just needed him to know that I loved and cared for him. Now he's married, and I text him and his wife every time I see 9-11. They probably got maybe five texts this week. It's whenever the Lord shows me, 9-11, text your kids. Are we listening? Are we trusting the plan that seems so trivial? It seems trivial a text. But if I can wrap a motherly love and continue to wrap a motherly love around a kid and pray for him, that's all that matters. The holy assignments given to you as a Christ follower and a mother, it's fully empowered. You're fully empowered if you choose to, if you choose to trust. And there's a much bigger plan and purpose. And you thought you were just a mom, right? There's never, you can't put just and mom in the same sentence. There is no just a mom. So we've learned about trusting. We've learned about partnering. We've learned about applying. And I'm telling you, prayer is the next thing. Because here it is. It's this simple. As you do these things, I'm telling you, prayer is your relational pipeline 
It's your relational pipeline for the inspiration and the information you need to accomplish it all. Yeah. Well, every woman now in this room, every last one of you, I don't care if you're a mom or you're not a mom, you literally have the DNA of nurture in you by a heavenly father. I need every one of the women in this room to stand up. I'm going to pray for you. And if you're standing by these moms, you are welcome to even reach a hand out, especially if they're your mom or your wife. Holy Spirit, just come. You're so sweet and kind. Your goodness is so real. So, Lord, I thank you for every woman in this room. For every biological mother and every spiritual mother and for the mothers in this room that are yet to be the ones that are yet to be both biological and spiritual each woman carries your DNA to nurture and to love and to partner with you to call the kingdom into their homes into their circumstances into their marriages into their relationships and into their children's lives and any other territory that you have given them where there is pain caused by unhealthy relationships, both with children and with our own mothers, pain due to loss or pain due to trauma, we speak peace now. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to each individual in this area where they might need to forgive or seek freedom through ministry. Holy Spirit, empower them to do, to do so. And may not one of them be held back from their full potential. Lord, we speak empowerment over each woman in this room. Holy Spirit, come and empower them. Empower them in incredible ways. Open their ears to hear your voice. Open their eyes to see your vision and their hearts to be filled with your never-ending supply of love, the love they need because all they do is pour out. We thank you, Lord, for the love and commitment throughout this room that is representative of you and we bless it and we pray for endurance for the race that you have set before each one of them i pray hebrews 12 over you let each one of us women let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into then we will be able to run life's motherhood marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. We trust you, Lord. We declare that we trust you. And we look away from the natural realm. And we focus our attention and expectation on to Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Let your name be glorified, Lord, as we pursue all you have for us in this motherhood call you have placed on our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.